You're listening to the Driving Confidence Podcast for drivers who want to be calm and confident on the road. We will be sharing tips, stories and advice to beat driving nerves and anxiety and build your driving confidence. Whether you are just starting out as a learner or have had your driving license for years, if you want to transform how you feel about driving, this podcast is for you. So in today's episode, we're delighted to welcome Omni Wren onto the show to come and talk to you about her driving experiences and her driving journey. And Omni is also a transformation coach for life-changing injuries. So not only has she got her own experiences, but she can offer help to anybody who's had a similar experience. So welcome, Omni. Hello. Thank you for having me. No problem. I've obviously Omni, we've worked before, and this is how I got to know you and your driving story, which I found fascinating. So tell me your driving story. So my driving story. Well, it all started quite well actually. I got my driver's license when I was 18, and I was quite happy driving around, and I was quite a confident driver, and it was like a, le- a new lease of freedom for me, really got me to work and out with my friends. And then when I turned 21, I was in my first car accident. At the time, I was doing my degree in glass as a glass blower, And that sort of pulled the rug from under my feet. And then I got very nervous about driving. I didn't get back in the car for a year afterwards. Uh, during that time, I had developed injuries in my back, which led me to a hunch and I developed chronic pain all around my body, wasn't in very good nick. Uh, and eventually I was like, right, I'm, I've got to get back in the car. I've got, to get, I've got to get driving again. So I started driving again. I got my life back on track and I changed my job. I started doing some other bits and pieces to do with glass casting. And I just got myself sorted through, well, actually, so I ended up at a rehabilitation center as well, a physical rehabilitation center where I got better. I finished my program and I came out and I got this job, as I say, and I was on the way there and I couldn't drive long distances. So my sister, she was driving and I never made it to the job before I was in a second car accident, which was worse than my first one. And that put me back big time. Uh, And again, I didn't drive then for probably... I'd say another year, easily eight to nine months before I would even get in a vehicle because I wouldn't even get in in anything moving with wheels. And two years after that, I then had emergency surgery and I almost died as a result of my injuries that I sustained in that car accident. And then I started getting better again and started going downhill again and I didn't know why. And it was because I didn't internally bled for a further two years after that. So it has been quite a journey for me in terms of car accidents. And it's taken me a really long time to get back to driving in any kind of confident way. I still, I suffered PTSD really badly, which I work with every day. So I was having hallucinations. I was having panic attacks, freaking out at the wheel all the time. If I saw car accidents, flashing blues anywhere, I'd get out of the car. I'd be on the side of the road being sick on my hands and knees. It was a bit of a disaster, really. 
So that is in a nutshell. I just want to say these two acts weren't your fault either, were they? No, no. The first one, I started traffic lights and he ploughed into the back of me. And the second one, I was turning right into a junction with my sister and the guy behind, he'd swung out to overtake four cars while he was speeding, swerved in again, didn't see that we were turning right. And then he'd swerved out to overtake us and took us out by the side. So, uh, yeah. I remember the first time I heard this, it was just like, oh, again, wow. And it's, wow. Yeah, there's there's loads there, isn't there? There's yeah. And- yeah. And there's so many different factors to this because you've got the driving, you've got the mental side of things. So the impact of your survival system trying to protect you in the future. But then you've got that ill health as well that, sort of sitting alongside it, which just means that you don't feel well in yourself, even aside from driving, while you were going through that two years with the internal bleed and Mm -hmm. all all those other things. So there's just so many factors to it, isn't there? There are. There are an unusual amount of factors, I'd say, yeah. So when you think about the first time getting back to driving, what was the, the catalyst for you to say, look, I need to get back behind the wheel? So the first time that I really needed to get back behind the wheel was that I lived out in the sticks, basically. Yeah. So I lived about a half hour walk from a bus stop, which was really isolating for a really long time. And the other thing is that I didn't trust anyone else to drive me. So I couldn't then get on public transport. I wouldn't get in any taxis. I wouldn't let any of my friends drive me. It was pretty much just my dad who drove me to my doctor's appointments and around like I wouldn't be in a vehicle with anyone else. And it really, to start with, it wasn't too bad the first couple of months because, you know, you're like, well, a few months afterwards, like I'm still like recovering. But then it really started impacting on my social life and me going out. At that time, after my first car accident, I was well aware that many people get into car accidents and it was a get back on the horse kind of thing for me. So I was like, right, I'm going to, everyone else gets back in their car. So I have to get back in my car. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the first time. But the second time was very, very different for me. And I'd only just started letting my sister drive me around. So it wasn't even like I'd been getting in taxis or on buses anyway. So I'd either drive myself, it'd be my dad or my sister. And um, really, it was a huge shock, huge shock for me. And I sustained more injuries, which made it difficult for me to drive. But then I'd sort of developed almost like a phobia. And then I wouldn't even get in a car. So I couldn't even get in- into a car to sit down, let alone like drive anywhere. I-, I just wouldn't be anywhere near one. And it would impact me crossing the street, driving around, like, you know, just people driving. I'd be constantly thinking that they were going to run me over even when I wasn't in a vehicle. So that escalated quite quickly and in the end it was one of my friends who I was living with at the time and he said right that's it you're gonna have to just start sitting in the car and I was like no 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 and he was like no no we'll do it gently we'll do it gently and we started doing it with the doors open so I wasn't trapped in there 
and then slowly we start putting my seatbelt on and we just go out and sit and eat sweets out there or <laughs> have a coffee in the car before before we moved anywhere and really I'm so grateful to him for like put, like really putting me in that space where I had to learn but by that time my confidence was completely shattered and I'd been hit by a white car in the second car accident and that became like my ultimate fear so all of my night terrors all of my hallucinations everything all triggered by white cars so if there was white cars next to me I couldn't park next to them I couldn't drive next to them being traffic next to them and definitely at traffic lights while they were crossing my crossing my path I just I would I can't even describe it like it, it would it would be almost like my brain would click and I'd forget where I was and I'd just go into a panic zone and then I'd be sat at traffic lights and I'd be hallucinating that I was being like thrown around in this car and then there would be cars beeping behind me telling me that like that the green the green light's gone and you've got to move so it's a very um I did I didn't think you could be that scared of cars foolishly like I didn't it didn't even occur to me you know I'd learned to drive when I was young I'd had a little bit of a car accident it hadn't really like I'd got back in and I did it didn't really occur to me how much I could fear getting into a car that's it's probably the ultimate isn't it what your experience is is probably the ultimate ultimate of fear I suppose with vehicles and cars and especially white cars and um yeah it's... and it's amazing how our brain works isn't it your brain gave you gave you a confidence dip the first time around it caused you a few issues it's put a few obstacles in your path to try and try and get you to avoid driving but it gave you some grace it, there, you know there was some space within that to get back and then second time around your brain's just go no I'm putting my foot down this time yeah yeah I am absolutely not allowing this this is we, we need you to survive and it is incredible what your brain will do and even now even like so I'd have my panic attacks I'd get out the side of the road I'd have a panic attack I'd get back up I'd be like all right and I'd be like that was completely irrational. Like just for a car crossing my path or just even driving past flashing blues, you know, an ambulance would go past me and I'd have to pull over because I'd be like, no use to anyone, no use to anyone. And I and I keep remembering coming round and being like, I have no idea how that escalated so quickly. So, yeah, it's amazing what your brain can do. And it's Um, your brain, your logical side gets completely shut down. So the logical part of your brain is just not allowed the time and space to think in that scenario. That's your survival instinct overriding everything else and just coming in and not allowing logic. And then, like you say, you sort of describe it as coming round and your logical side of your brain is is allowed to come back gently. Um, and then you're thinking, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, no, yes. definitely, definitely. And I think as well, a lot of it was guilt. A lot of it was guilt that I, you know, that I was stopping traffic then. So I was like, so not only was I like having this irrational meltdown, I was I was interfering traffic. So I was becoming like a hazard in myself. And then I was like, oh, I'm putting other people at risk by being 
on the road having these freakouts and these meltdowns. So a lot of it was like guilt or just disbelief that like I could be causing so much, like the amount of people who've had to pull around me, I should probably apologize to them now. And also the other thing is I, there's two instances where I've seen car accidents where I could have helped and I couldn't help. And um, that really, I mean, it still sits with me now that I should have pulled over to help them. But at the time I just couldn't, I just didn't have the headspace to do so. So yeah, guilt for like impacting it on other people then like as well. It's really important to be kind to yourself on that particular point because actually you not stopping means that somebody else who may have been better equipped did stop instead. (laughs) Yeah, more helpful. Yeah, yeah. And I really feel for drivers who have these kind of setbacks and for me, I've, I've spoken to Kev myself before in the respect, like when I was trying to get back into my car and I was trying to get more confident, I couldn't find somebody to work with who was up for getting up my confidence, if you like. So like at the time there was like, you know, there's getting into your into your test, isn't there? And then there's like, your, I don't know if it's called a pass plus, but it was when I yeah. did this pass plus, isn't there? And then there's, you know, like if you haven't been in the car for a while, but when it comes to building confidence in the car, there wasn't very many resources for me around that I found useful. So I think the fact that you offer this is a fantastic, fantastic resource for people to tap into. Because that's, that's It's about helping people and giving people the help and support that they need. And someone like yourself who is probably that you know the ultimate fears that we've spoke about before but how does how does someone go through what you've been through get back driving you know and how do going out in a car was not an option so doing the baby steps like you did just you know sitting back in the car with the doors open and that's enough yeah and then sitting eating sweets i love that I could, you know, that's um, quite a nice one for me. But then have a coffee in the car. And again, it's trying to relate what you're doing. It's I'm just in a car, but I'm doing this. It's those baby steps that we talk about all the time. There is no step too small. No. You can make the step as small as it needs to be. And even if it's just opening the car and not even getting in it as the first step, it's taking those baby steps and making the step as small as possible so that it's achievable so that you can actually achieve your goal so where are you now then are you back driving now how is that going so i am back driving okay i can say it is going a lot better than it was (laughs) i can (laughs) say that i'm driving around but but mainly familiar routes to me So the minute that I get out of like a familiar route or if say traffic's really heavy or if there's roadworks, that's when it really starts to like boil a little bit inside me. And there have been a few instances where people have slammed on their brakes in front of me or cut me up or overtaken me. And that's taken me time to develop a strategy of how to get round it 
And really for me as a transformational coach, while I was in my training, I also did neurolinguistics and learned about how I could rewrite my brain. So a lot of it for me is like prevention thinking. So or like strategy thinking. So I think ahead, right, if that car pulls out in front of me, what am I going to do? How am I going to react? If somebody hit me again and I was in another car accident, how can I take control of that again for me to be, well, to stay in my driver's seat, if you like, because without it blowing into this massive scenario that I have no control over, I try and almost think about scenarios where if it happened, how would I react again? And it's taken me a really long time to go back and think about the car accidents that I was in. So a lot of the time, because I was having night terrors and I was like reliving it, reliving it, reliving it. I, the minute that I went anywhere near the thought I'd have like a panic attack. Whereas now, like when I'm relaxed, it's like an active practice for me. It's not something that like I just put to one side. I think, all right, how would I have reacted differently in that accident? So like in the second car accident, I remember just this weird ringing, this big bang, and then this huge ringing. And then I I couldn't work out what had happened because the car that had hit us was so far ahead, he didn't even look like he'd been in our accident. And then my sister got out and she was being sick on the floor and there were people running over. And I remember just threatening to kill the guy who'd hit me. And then I was just shouting abuse in his face, basically. Which I guess is a fight or flight thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I was I was screaming in his face, and then the police showed up, and the ambulances showed up, and never, probably until a couple of years afterwards, did I consider how he might have felt in that accident. So it took me a long time to think, you know, next time or if I was in that accident again, it would be really nice if I asked him if he was okay. It would be really nice if I considered all those people that were running to help. Like I've tried to put myself in their perspectives. They didn't have to help me. And I try and move around the car accident as well. So I try and put myself in different positions and different angles. And I think that's really helped me be able to move forward into more. I think it's just being prepared. So being prepared has given me the confidence enough to drive around on my own. I'm just going to jump in here to let you know about our Drive Calm journal. We've created a 12-week prompt journal to support our listeners to take action and improve driving confidence. The journal includes questions, prompts and exercises to create an action plan and an opportunity for reflection afterwards. Search Drive Calm on Amazon to take a look. We hope it helps. So that's been really big for me. And the other thing is that I have an anchor on my wrist, which is, I never knew it was called an anchor at the time, actually. So I had a different name when I was in my car accidents. And I went through this traumatic, it was was messy in the courts and it was messy in terms of my medical And I just couldn't live with it anymore when I started coaching people and telling people my story. I just couldn't put myself back there. So I changed my name 
and I got it lit tattooed on my wrist. And so now when I have a panic attack or I feel that coming, quite often I start sweating and then I roll up my sleeves and I can see on my wrist that I'm not the same girl that I was back then. And it reminds me that I'm not in that same situation because whilst it might feel like it can happen more than once, it's always a different situation. So those are two really, really important strategies that I carry around with me all of the time, constantly. Yeah, I love, I love the fact that you started to feel, and I don't think people really do that, where they, you know, how did that other person, I'm shouting and screaming at him, but how did he actually feel? You know, yeah, you, yeah. and it's, it's, I think that's massive for someone to actually like yourself that's been in that to actually start thinking along that like that that surely must help you so- I never, never never even considered that he might have been mortified that he could have caused this accident did not because I, I you know I'm sure even when you're speeding and you're overtaking other cars and you're in a rush to get to your job you know nobody wants to start car accidents off do they nobody yeah. wants to provoke that or get get it happening and I never, and even to this day, I still think, you know, I hope somebody else asked him he was okay because, like, I was just screaming in his face and the police were sitting me down and I was getting back up again and they were going, and I was shouting again and they were like, no, no, you have to sit down, you have to sit down. And then they were like, we are going to charge you if you do not sit down. And in the end, they locked me in the ambulance. <laughs> they locked me in the ambulance and then I never saw him again. Wow. Uh, I um like I never ever considered how he had to get back on his day yeah. or how he had to get back to driving mm-hmm. um or trusting himself or you know it impacts us all in very very different ways. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting you use the word trust then because I wrote that down actually. Trust and confidence are really closely linked. And when you were talking about your gap from driving and being able to trust getting in the car as a passenger with other people, and then even the fact being able to trust that you were safe as a pedestrian to walk down the street, the the two things are so closely entwined. You have to be able to trust to be confident to have confidence in someone else and yes so like you sort of said there he will also have had to go through a trust episode and no doubt make adjustments he must have had to make he got charged with reckless endangerment you know he he must have had to make i don't know i don't know whether he had to go on a driver's course or whether he had to do like a safety course um i'm just not privy to that information but I can imagine that they didn't give him like a very easy way out of it at all. Yeah, he probably lost his license. I would yeah. have said, I would have, you know, as a minimum. Um, I don't, I don't know because it varies from accident to accident. But again, it's, I think it's testament to how far you've come. I suppose that's what I was trying to say earlier. How far you've come that you can get to that point where you are putting yourself in other people's shoes and. How does that feel? And how am I dealing with this in the future? If this happens again, what would I do? And I think to go for what you've been through, to get to the point where you can now put yourself in other people, is, is a, it must be huge for you. And really, it has been a huge step in me taking back my freedom 
and being able to consider other people, you know, like, because nobody's like a bad person, like, you know, nobody wants to cause these accidents, yeah. do they? And like, quite selfishly, I thought that it had all happened to me. But but maybe not in a selfish sense, just that I couldn't see beyond my injuries mm. and the way it was, you know, massively changing my life. I couldn't really consider anyone else's. And I think in order for me to let go of it, to let go of all my hate and all my everything I had worked up around it, you know, my PTSD didn't start getting better until I just accepted that it wasn't necessarily, you know, it was, it was his fault. It wasn't really anyone's fault. It's not like a blame game and it just wasn't constructive to think that way. Mm -hmm. So until I started thinking, right, how was he? And like, how were other people? And it wasn't until I sort of widened my senses that then I could start letting go um, and really that's when, so not only in that scenario can I move around now, but quite often when I have night terrors, I can sort of swap myself around my night terrors. So I can see like, you know, in 3D and I can see people who help me and I can see different different ways. And I do actively try and think about them. Like I change the colors of the cars or I change the road, or I try and switch it onto a road that I know. I went back to the road where I had my second car accident and um, just sat on the side of the road for some time because it, it's so, it, I can't even describe it because I was like, life still happens in this space. So like, bizarrely I was like you know it didn't just stop and then turn into a black zone people are driving that all day every day on that road and so then when I started thinking about the massive traffic that was on the road the chance of being in that car accident seemed so much slimmer because there are so many more I, I could see that there were more people happening on that road than I had any idea about and so, like, one car accident, you know, even say if it was, like, a couple of months, every couple of months, if you think about the volume of traffic on that road, then the percentage of the car accidents on that road is probably very, very low. Yeah. Yeah. So until I started thinking about those sort of things, almost to get out of my head, I couldn't find peace with it, if you like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so I know that you've now taken this one step further and you now help other people. Tell me a little bit about that. I do. I do. So now <laughs> I am a transformational coach and I specialize in life-changing injuries and I coach people through these things. So I coach mainly in trauma, um, accidents that change people's lives because obviously I couldn't then do my job. So my profession changed. I went long-term sick for a really long time. My movement was restricted terribly. And then I got like my long-term sick ticket and uh, that was it. I was set off to be on benefit forever. And quite a few professional to professionals told me that uh, my pain would never go away. I'd be on medication forever. I shouldn't expect to get back to any kind of full and part-time work even. And I just wouldn't accept it. I just wouldn't accept it. 
uh, and I worked and worked and worked. And now I encourage other people to step forward, to get back in their cars and get back to jobs or to change direction um, because your life isn't over. And for a long time, because of what that car accident did to me, my life was so, it was over. I thought that was it. I thought I'd spend the rest of my time in my bed or that I wouldn't be able to help other people. Like I didn't even, I had no idea how I was going to get back to work or off benefit or find my self-worth even. And there definitely weren't so many professionals around who encouraged me to do that. Just, I think because of resources or time that they have. So yeah, a really long road, but I do encourage other people to do that and to take back their freedom because it's a huge, I mean, driving, it's amazing, isn't it? Like I try, I try and think about that all of the time. Like, can you imagine you get into a vehicle and you zoom around and it gets you from A to B, you know, when it's lashing down, when it's snowing, it gets you to work, it gets you home, to the shops. You can carry stuff in it, yeah. like such, you know. But also, it can take you on trips, takes you on holiday. You can go camping. Like the possibility is endless. Mm-hmm. And I find when people have stopped driving, I'm not going to say it's like cutting their nose off to spite their face because I like, it's definitely not like that. But it kind of is, isn't it? Because it's letting that car accident or that fear take so much control over you that it's taking such an amazing skill. It's just, it's really sad. It's really sad. And I I just want people to have their freedom and to go around and and be able to have, it's independence. It's independence as well. So a lot of it, during the times of my injury, when I was being nursed by my parents or while I was living in hospital, like your independence is stripped from you. Like, you know, there were times when I was strapped into my hospital bed, being fed through tubes. I had like catheters and wires and I wasn't even allowed to take myself to the toilet. And that is so demoralizing. Mm that you know and then it wasn't until I came out that I wouldn't take myself to the shop or I wouldn't take myself out for a coffee or to see my friends and those it's really really restrictive restrictive space and now you're offering that opportunity for people to Hmm. have their freedom and independence back yeah yeah because ultimately I know I've been in more accidents than some people but I mean I I can't, well, I can't promise that I won't be in another one. But for the freedom that it gives me and what it outweighs in terms of fear and restriction, it is worth me getting back in that car every single time. Yeah, And I, I really want people to feel that. I want people to find peace with it and work through their PTSD and work through these strategies that I've learned how to cope when I'm, when I'm in a heightened sense of panic, like I, you know, and I, I suppose that's what you do, isn't it? That's yeah, yeah. I suppose we we do, I and mean, it's normally more in a controlled way in the car. We can deal with it like your baby steps. We can deal with it like that. We can do with it online, so people don't even have to get in the car. Very similar to yourself, but it's 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 that it's that end goal isn't it it's 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 like that light at the end of the tunnel i suppose that light sometimes is quite small and it's how do i make that light bigger 
And that's what we do. That's what we do. There's yeah. resources that people haven't even thought about. Um, and there's just techniques that are really simple, like just sit in a car. Don't move it. Yeah. Have and some I think, sweets, I think, maybe chocolate. Well, the other thing is like, you know, the anger that I had, the anger, I was so angry. And I think that that got me through a lot of it because I was like, how dare you take this from me? Mm. How dare you do that to me? Even though he'd only caused the accident, he hadn't done anything particular to me. It was that experience that was taking that from me. And I just... It just, it, I just couldn't, I just couldn't allow it, just couldn't allow it. And I just, no matter how hard it was, I mean, I used to, I mean, I, even now I still can't drive around without the radio on. I've got yeah. to have some kind of music and I've got to have some kind of something that I can relate to. And for a little while, like I've got a dog and like when I got her, when she was a puppy, I used to put her in the back and like, then I started giving her PTSD so, like, obviously, she would smell it on me, so I would start to panic in traffic. And then even when I had control of my situation, she would be starting to panic. <laughs> and so then I became aware of how I made other people feel yeah. in the car and other people. And I think, like, the more I widened that space, the more I could consider that I wasn't taking just my freedom and putting it in a box. I was taking other people's freedom and putting it in a box. Yeah. I love what you're doing. I think that idea that well, there's two things there. One is that you can help people based on your own experiences. So when somebody, uh, you know, we understand nerves and anxiety in driving, but we don't really understand trauma and the impact of trauma. So we have some ideas and some inklings, but we don't have that firsthand experience. So the fact that you can bring that in and you understand where somebody else in a similar situation is coming from, I think is really helpful. I think often when you're looking for help, you're looking for someone who's been there, done it. Mm. And then the other thing that I love is that you're not trying to pretend that it's all brilliant now <laughs> and that, yeah, I'm driving and it's amazing and it's fantastic and I can just do it. You're saying I have these strategies and I I use these strategies and I would still struggle if I didn't use those strategies. And I just think that's so important for people to know that it isn't easy and it isn't um, there isn't a magic wand, as we say all the time, <laughs> but that you can find strategies that work for you. It's about finding the right fit, the right strategy that will help you personally get through. And it might not be easy, but you can do it. And every time you do it, it will get a little bit easier, a little bit more comfortable, and you just keep moving forward because you can't move backward. Definitely. And I think as well, there's a truth as well. Like there had to come a time where I had to be honest with myself. And I think that's definitely helped me forward with my clients because I am so honest about how it felt, where it put me, what it took from me. And because until I came to terms with that honesty with myself I couldn't move forward and so quite often people telling me having the you know being able to tell me the truth about how they feel no big or how small their issue is that it is all relevant and it is something that you 
can work through you just have to really you just have to like vocalize it to start with I think and like you know some people that I talk to they don't they don't want to talk about their accidents or they don't want to talk about their trauma and that that's that is completely fine because there is like a time and a place but definitely I encourage them to like you know be truthful about those feelings and not ashamed of them by any stretch mm. because it really is not a very helpful state to and be that's in. That's the thing, is it's not very helpful, is it? It's for yourself. No, no. It's just it just makes it more damaging. And there's no shame. There's no shame. For so long I was ashamed of the fact that it was like controlling so much of my life that there is no real shame in it. It is all relevant to our experience. So I think when I talk about my experience, I definitely try to like express my nitty gritty bits and my my bad moments. And there's definitely probably more moments to come that will shake me up and then I'll just learn a new way to cope with that and move forward. And like that's, I think that's an active thing. And I was under the illusion that you just uh, learned to drive and you're off, you go. But then, you know, it's not it's not just car accidents that interrupt this, is it? You know, it's people have friends or family who are in accidents or, yeah. you know, even they see traumatic things on telly that impact them and make them nervous. The weather is perfectly normal to have this anxiety around driving because it is really a really big thing isn't it it is and with the likes of yourselves and us hopefully we can carry on helping people definitely because that's all i want because yeah i can't deny it isn't it great <laughs> that i can get in my car and i can just take myself to the shop you know that i have that independence that i have that i can i can do i have that resource for myself and unless i make full use of it you know i'm just doing myself a disservice <laughs> you know i really am so i i loved your story that's why i wanted you on this podcast i kept saying to tracy come we've got to get we've got to get omni on she's really good the story is amazing where you've come from and where you are now so thank you very much for sharing that and hopefully that's helped others i really hope so i really hope so and just to know that you're not alone exactly not alone yeah. exactly at all yeah, so important. Thank you so much. And all of your contact details, so where people can find you, will all be in the show notes. I've got an Instagram. Yeah, I've got an Instagram account. And you can find me on Facebook. So you can definitely get hold of me those ways. Um, if you need anything, don't, you know, don't don't feel bad. Any big questions, small questions. Just ask. Just ask. It's all relevant. It's all relevant. So we normally ask people a question at the end, don't we? Yes. Oh. <laughs> so we did say at the beginning, is there any questions? I said, no, we're just having a chat. <laughs> there is one question. We ask all our guests this one question. So casting your mind back to when you first learned to drive when you were 18, what did you find the most difficult about learning to drive? What was the hardest part? The hardest part for me was my coordination learning to drive uh, and being having my two my two hands on the wheel and like threading it through um i used to sit on the bottom of my bed with a plate 
<laughs> to practice um, not dropping the plate <laughs> not dropping the plate but also to having my arms and like shuffling so definitely my coordination was a challenge for me but if I do think back to the time I was desperate to learn to drive and I bought my first car when I was 16 so I'd got my first job when I was 13 I'd saved up I'd put myself through lessons I'd bought a car, I'd insured myself. I was so excited, so excited to learn to drive. But yeah, I think the most difficult thing for me was coordination. I can tell by the smile on your face. Yep. <laughs> I just hours sat with my plate at the bottom of my bed, just not even in a car. Just You're driving your bed. That yeah. was quite, that's quite... Yeah. So have you got any tips for anyone else then who might be struggling with their coordination at the moment? Um, I think you know the the plate is a good is a good thing. Um, and also I used to be scared to then take my hands off the plate to do my my gears. So I just used to sit with it in neutral and just practice, practice, not letting go um, of the wheel. So yeah, I just used to sit. I used to sit in my car that I couldn't drive that I bought when I was sixteen that I didn't have a license for yet. <laughs> sit outside there and just practice coordination but it is something that just comes second nature to me now it's not I think when you learn any new skill it is just something that comes second nature to me which yeah. I, I really do appreciate about driving which sounds quite a big thing for me to say that I appreciate something about being in a car yeah. I do well, appreciate that I do have that skill Fantastic. Yeah, brilliant. And it's always important to reflect on the good stuff as well. So being able to appreciate those things is important. Well, thank you very much for this. It's been a pleasure talking to you again. Thank you so much for having me. So I found that a really interesting interview with Omni there. Yes, I mean, I knew Omni's story previously, so I just knew we had to get her on the podcast to tell her story. Yeah, definitely. And I think what strikes me is that out of everybody that we've spoken to, she's probably experienced the most trauma, the most setbacks. Yes, I mean, that's obvious in the story there. But I think what I found really interesting was her ability not to give up and that she's now back driving through all that's happened to her. She is now back behind the wheel driving. Yeah, and that just shows incredible tenacity and determination. And the fact that she she fully admits it's still not easy, and yet she drives with that alongside. She also understands what the importance of driving is, what it gives her as well. You know, the, the social aspect she mentioned there as well. So... You know, driving is not just driving. It impacts our life, doesn't it? It really does. And I noticed that she said she felt she had to get back to driving. Her circumstances, where she lived, it all just meant that not driving wasn't really an option for her in the long term. So there was that push. There was that extra something, that extra need that meant she had to face her fears. And by doing small steps as well, like sitting in a car, not starting it, just sitting, having those sweets in the car. You know, it's it's little steps. I know we've mentioned this before, but that's exactly what it is, isn't it? Yeah, no step is too small. It's just 
starting, even just thinking about it, can sometimes be the first step. And once you've done those first steps, the next step may be just familiar routes. You know, not going too far, just doing the familiar routes, the shops, wherever it may be. But again, just you taking control. You're in control of that journey. I really, really hope, and I'm sure that there will be people out there inspired by Omni's story. And if this resonates with you, then all of Omni's contact details are in the show notes, along with ours. And if you know somebody in a similar situation, this would be a great episode to share with them. Or even if they wanted to come on the podcast and share their story with others as well. So that's always an option for people as well. Yep, great. So remember to share Follow on your favourite podcast player. Leave us a review. We'd love to see some reviews. And so, until next time, have a great day, whatever you're doing. Thank you for listening. Find out about the different ways that you can work with us on our website, www.confidentdrivers.co.uk and begin to transform the way you feel about driving. 